Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, July the 24th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I'm on an airplane on the way to Davie as we speak. Well, technically Hollywood, Florida, but we've got just one more day before camp and we'll spend it talking about the specialist on the roster, previewing the Giants and the Bengals in weeks 15 and 16, and getting you caught up on some more roster moves ahead of training camp tomorrow. Plus, we'll predict the 53-man roster and go game by game and give you my first official Dolphins record prediction for 2019 and tell you where they're going to draft in 2020. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, going to be your go-to Twitter handle for all Dolphins training camp news and items and reports. Also follow the show at LockedOnFins and of course LockedOnDolphins.com. Again, your go-to source for training camp recaps. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. The Dolphins announced on Tuesday another roster move ahead of tomorrow's first practice of the season. Miami native and Youngstown State product David Rivers, not Derek Rivers, who also went to Youngstown State, very confusing, becomes the 15th cornerback on the Dolphins roster heading into camp. He spent each of the last two years on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. He's six foot tall, 187 pounds, has long arms, talks about his length and his scouting profile, and that seems to be the going rate for perimeter corner measurements in this defense. He was undrafted in 2017, and going back off of Lance Zerline's scouting report from when he was in college at Youngtown State, he says that he was good in short area quickness, he has patience in his approach from press, and will wait for the receiver to commit to his path, so it sounds like a highly intelligent player who also has the traits to play inside in the slot because of those quick change of direction skill sets. And Zerline knocks him for two traits that Brian Flores does prefer, at least what we saw with the Patriots. In that one, he has a lack of ball skills, ball tracking, and the lack of long speed going down the field. Going to have to be much better, much more aggressive in run support, Zerline says as well. So those things tend to think make you think that maybe he doesn't have a shot to make the roster. He takes the place of Wake Forest interior lineman, undrafted free agent, Ryan Anderson. So Anderson is out of work on the eve of training camp, and the Dolphins roster is back at 91 and if David Rivers is going to make the roster it will likely come by way of his own special teams prowess and with that we preview our 11th and final portion of the roster preview series up on LockedOnDolphins.com ahead of training camp the specialists a position that I always ignore both on here on the website on Twitter I just don't really know how you scout kicking, how you scout punting, how you scout long snapping. I can talk about the kick coverage units and return units 
But when it comes to the kickers and punters, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll be the first to admit that. But I can tell you, the entire band is back together, except for the front man, except for Darren, Freddie, Mercury, Rizzy. He is gone to the Saints. We all know about that. Many Dolphins fans were displeased with the fact that he was not brought back. Coming over from Buffalo is the new special teams coordinator, Danny Crossman. And last year, the Bills special teams unit ranked 31st in the NFL. And this, to me... I talked about George Godsey as the tight ends coach, as one of the positional coaches that maybe I'm a little bit apprehensive about, but this one, this is the one that really I just don't quite understand because of the successful rankings over the last several years. Now you go back to 2017 and Crossman's unit was much better than that, I believe in the top 12 in the NFL, but he has John Denny back, he has Matt Hawk back, and he's got Jason Sanders back, and Sanders is the only one on the roster here that does not have competition behind him in camp. Let's start here with the long snappers, though. John Denny in his 15th NFL season, he's 40.7 years old opening day, and one of the reasons you worry that he might, the legend of John Denny, might wind up cut is because he's owed $1.1 million this year to snap the football, whereas his competition is on a rookie minimum salary. So that's the only way I can see John Denny getting cut. Can you guys remember his last botch snap? I can't. He gets down there on punt team and makes tackles. He has two fumble recoveries in his career, and he has the longest active games played streak in the NFL at 224 games. I have him on the roster as your long snapper. Jason Sanders, no kickers brought in, and he earned that last year with a fantastic year. And one of the things I love about Jason Sanders on this roster is because they used a seventh round draft pick on him, they get that four-year contract opposed to the undrafted free agent contract, which is always going to be a three-year deal. So Miami gets three more years of Jason Sanders cheap, assuming he can maintain his status as the unquestioned kicker. Now, every single year, kickers who have established themselves, we saw it with Cody Parkey last year in Chicago, and a big contract, things are liable to go sideways for kickers because it's like 95% mental, but the good part is Jason Sanders has a fantastic rookie year to usher him into year number two in the NFL. He was 90% last year, 18 for 20, and both those misses came in the 40 to 50 range. He had the game-winning 47-yarder against the Bears in overtime. He was 35 of 36 on PATs, and he also was second in the NFL. The Dolphins were as a unit in touchback percentage, but this year they might ask him to leave the ball short a little bit more and let their coverage unit go make tackles short of the 25-yard line. Jason Sanders is your kicker in 2019. The punter, I have less confidence in. Matt Hawk, he was 25th in the NFL last year in punt average. He had a bunch of punts pinned inside the 10-yard line, but when you look at where they punt those balls from, the 40, the 50-yard line, not that big of a challenge. He's got one year left on his deal, and I'm going to go ahead and cut Matt Hawk because he's been so inconsistent. So many games where he shanks punts, pooches punts that go sideways off of his foot, I just don't feel confident with him back there. And he had those two punt blocks last year in the Patriots game. And that's why I'm giving the job to the rookie out of Florida International. His name is Stone Wilson, which I guess is a great name. He averaged 44 yards per punt last year in college. And I think that he just takes on this role because why not? I'll roll the dice and say that Stone Wilson wins the punter's job. The snapper that's competing with John Denny is Wesley Farnsworth. He's wearing number one on his jersey, which is awesome for a long snapper. He's from Nevada, 22 years old. He's in a tricky spot here because if he wins the job, that would be great for him, both from a financial standpoint and for the future of his NFL career. But if you win that job and take it away from John Denny, you're instantly public enemy number one in Miami because John Denny is royalty in Miami at this point. 
So those are your three specialists that make the roster. John Denny, Stone Wilson at punter, and Jason Sanders as your kicker. I expect this unit to be as good as their coverage units are. We know that Jakeem Grant is probably the best, if not one of the top three return men in all of football, but we'll see how well Danny Crossman gets this unit going in 2019 and beyond. And we're going to take our first break here on the podcast. But when we come back, we'll talk about the Giants and Bengals, the Dolphins Week 15 and Week 16 opponents. But first, this word from Blue Chew. Guys, listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness, guys. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. This is a problem that affects so many men. Why not just go ahead and get it taken care of? Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it today for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Breeze through the entire series of All or Nothing over the weekend, or the season, I should say. I'm two episodes into Last Chance You, but I downloaded every episode to my phone, so I should be all set for the long flight across the country with entertainment throughout both of those flights. Plus, I've got the Warren Sharp Preview Magazine, my Athlon's College Football Magazine. I've got the podcast downloaded. Traveling really just isn't that bad these days. Actually kind of looking forward to doing nothing all day, even though I'll be on a flight in a metal tube 30,000 feet above the Earth's surface. And part of playing in the AFC East with the Dolphins means you have to travel up to the Northeast three times a year. And in week 15, the Dolphins will travel back to New York, but not for a game with an AFC East team, but rather the team that shares the stadium with the Stige, the New York Giants, the team up first on today's opponent preview. And we're going to finish this thing up today with the Giants and the Bengals. You can go back over the last seven or eight shows if you want to get the previews of the previous opponents on the Dolphins 2019 schedule. And somehow, despite being an absolute tire fire, the Giants have a better reputation currently than the Dolphins. And why? No idea, really, for me, to be perfectly frank. Their quarterback is about eight years past the level of being a competent player. The guy they drafted to replace him probably belonged on day three of the draft back in April, and their coaching staff is constantly outdoing themselves with terrible decision-making. Now, the big question always comes back, to Sam Darnold versus Saquon Barkley. And man, I wish that the Giants would have taken Sam Darnold so the Jets would have nothing at quarterback right now, or I guess Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. And Gettleman said that if Mayfield was gone with that draft pick, they're going to draft Saquon Barkley and run the football. And that's great in, in theory because Saquon might already be the best running back in the game, But the Giants didn't do that. They went from 59% first down running team in 2016, their playoff year, to 54% in 2017, and then dropped down to 52% in 2018. 
They just don't get it. There's no method to the madness. And I want to read this blurb from the Warren Sharp preview to give you a better understanding for why exactly I believe the Giants are the most dysfunctional organization in the National Football League right now. And it says this from Sharp. It's been proven time and time again that running is devalued. I've discussed it ad nauseum and won't put you through that again, but it's a fact. And understanding the devaluation of the running game is the measure of quality pro football analyst. Running is favorable in short yarded situations and sometimes in the red zone, but it is negative EV estimated value virtually everywhere else. Imagine for a moment you're a GM of an NFL team with full autonomy. You have two drafts and two free agent periods to remake your roster. You understand passing correlates more with to wins than rushing does. You understand quarterbacks, receivers, left tackles, pass rushers, and cornerbacks are more valuable than running backs, fullbacks, blocking tight ends, and nose tackles. Understanding the basics of the game, which player grouping would you choose? Option one, Sam Darnold, Odell Beckham Jr., and Kentucky edge rusher Josh Allen. Or option two, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Clemson defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. And the option there seems obvious. Even though Saquon Barkley might be the best out of that group, the other positions correlate more effectively to winning. And the best part about that is there's another quote in the magazine that he lists from Dave Gettleman who says... The plan may be still to build around Eli Manning for years to come. And you know how some people say that we should default to the professionals? You don't know more than these guys. Well, not when there are professionals that make these heinous decisions time and time again. Most of the guys in these positions are deserving of their positions in the NFL and exceptional at what they do and better tally evaluators than you or I could ever dream of being. But not all of them are. They just aren't. The offensive line is still a mess. They made Nate Solder the richest offensive lineman in NFL history last offseason, and he's barely above an average left tackle in the league. They brought in Mike Remmers to be their solution at right tackle, and he damn near got Kirk Cousins killed last year, put on any Vikings game, and Mike Remmers is typically running into the backfield, chasing the guy that just beat him. They shipped off Odell for rebuilding purposes, but then they bring in Golden Tate. I mean, why? Dexter Lawrence is a nice player. I like him. But as Sharp tells us, you don't take a two-down run stuffer in the top 20 of the draft. Alec Ogletree is back for whatever reason. Miami should focus on attacking him in coverage in this game with a guy like Mike Kosicki or Kenyon Drake. Now, it took them three tries to get a pick right in the first round after Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence with DeAndre Baker, and he could start on the outside. But this team is just awful. Even on the road, Miami needs to compete and win this game if they don't want to be one of the laughing stocks of the NFL. That game is December 15th, week 15 at 1 o'clock Eastern Time at MetLife Stadium. The week 16 game is December 22nd at Hard Rock Stadium, also a 1 o'clock kickoff, and I will be there in attendance for that one, coming to you live from the press box at Hard Rock Stadium. And this is another team directly in Miami's path for a potential first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. And these two games are pretty much the reason why I don't believe Miami has a shot at that pick because they really ought to win these two games. The Giants are a mess for the reasons we listed, but at least they're trying, or we think they're trying. The Bengals don't even try to win games. The Bengals have by far the smallest scouting staff in the NFL. It's like six or seven names deep. They didn't hire a defensive coordinator until the end of February because the first several options said, nah, 
I'm good. I don't want to go to Cincinnati and work for Mike Brown. And that's after they hired Zach Taylor, who we all know got his first job in the NFL in Miami because of nepotism. And oh, by the way, the defensive coordinator they did eventually hire is Lou Anarumo, who also was on the Dolphins staff with Zach Taylor back in the early, or the mid-2010s, I should say. The Bengals don't even have an analytics department. That's cool. It's 2019, bros. You might want to get on that. They bring back Andy Dalton. Their first round pick is hurt yet again. This happens every single year to this organization. And the offensive line is just as bad as it was last year. They give a big extension to a guy, Bobby Hart, who is no better than Joe Mills, the Dolphins' late offseason addition they made back at the end of March. Now, Joe Mixon looks promising as hell. Tyler Boyd is an elite slot receiver who had a 69% success rate last year. A.J. Green is still there, but he's been hurt going on three seasons now. And the defensive line is where they could give the Dolphins some trouble in this game. We saw Geno Atkins wreck shop last year. So did Carl Lawson at the end of that game. I like the secondary pieces they have. That includes second-year safety Jesse Bates from Wake Forest, who is one of the most instinctive safeties in the game. But until Mike Brown is gone, a man who has demonstrated time and time again that winning is just not a priority up in Cincinnati, then Bengals fans will continue to suffer. The Dolphins should be able to, should be able to, if we think this coaching staff is what we hope they are with Brian Flores and all the experience and all the winning pedigree the Dolphins brought in under Brian Flores. If they are who we think they are, Denny Green style, then they should win this one and the Giants game as they are at home for this game. Their season could possibly be trending up at this point, heading into a very exciting exciting and very big offseason while the Bengals are barely treading water at this stage of the 2019 season. So these two games could provide big time wins. And when we come back on the other side of the podcast, we're going to go game by game and predict the Dolphins 2019 schedule results. I'm going to tell you who I have on the 53 man roster for opening day. I'll tell you where the Dolphins will pick in the draft next year. All of that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Almost feels like the last day of school, if you will, because the off season is the dreaded part of the calendar for football fans and for a journalist covering a football team. And it all leads up to this moment right now where I get a chance to predict the Dolphins 53 man roster, who makes the practice squad and the game by game predictions. And you can find this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com live right now. And let's just go ahead and get into it. And on the offensive side of the ball, I kept 24 guys. On defense, I kept 26. And of course, my three specialists we talked about in the opening segment of this podcast here on July 24th, Wednesday, for the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I kept two quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. That should be no surprise to anybody. At the running back position, I kept four players, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balazs, Miles Gaskin, the seventh round draft pick, and Mark Walton, who I think is a dark horse to earn not only reps on this team, but if Kenyon Drake struggles to get going, or if he gets banged up again, 
Mark Walton could be a guy that eventually starts for this team down the stretch. He has immense talent. Can he get his head put on straight? I think the Dolphins will gamble that he can and keep him on the opening day roster as the fourth running back to start the year. I have one fullback, Chandler Cox. We know about him and the potential matchup issues he creates on offense. At receiver, I kept five guys. Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. I think those top three are pretty well set in stone. Devontae Parker's not going anywhere this year. And I've got Preston Williams, the UDFA from Colorado State, rounding out the receiving core. At tight end, Dwayne Allen, even though he's on PUP right now, Mike Gesicki, Nick O'Leary, and Durham Smythe are my four tight ends. On the offensive line, Laramie Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, Chris Reed, and Jesse Davis are my starters. On the backups, I kept three backups, Jordan Mills, to be my swing tackle. I've got Tony Adams, the NC State product from a couple years back, to be the interior guy at center and the guard positions. And I also kept Dion Shaq Calhoun, another UDFA from Mississippi State. So we've got our second undrafted free agent on the roster in Shaq Calhoun. We go over to the defensive side of the ball. I kept seven defensive linemen. And of course, I have different definitions or descriptions for defensive linemen and outside linebackers in this defense. There's going to be lots of that going forward. But up front, the three guys that are pretty much unquestionable, Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, and Vincent Taylor. I think those guys will start in your basic 3-3 package. Tank Carradine, the offseason acquisition who just cannot stay healthy. I have him on the roster with Adolphus Washington, Joey Embu, and Jonathan Ledbetter, the third undrafted free agent to make my opening day roster. And of course, this means I cut Akeem Spence, a popular guy to make the roster for many Dolphins fans and prognosticators alike. At the linebacker slash edge position, again, the top three guys I think are pretty much unquestionable. Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker, and Kiko Alonso. And then I have Charles Harris, Andrew Van Ginkle, J. Ron Elliott, Nate Orchard, and Terrell Hanks, the fourth undrafted free agent to make my roster so far on the 2019 Miami Dolphins. And of course, this means I got rid of both Mike Hole and Chase Allen, a couple of, I guess, longtime Dolphins linebackers at this point, going back two and three years, respectively. At cornerback, I've got eight guys that I have with cornerback distinction. Again, the top three, pretty much set in stone. Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Eric Rowe. And then beyond that, I think the fourth best cornerback on this roster could stand to be Jalen Davis. Of course, you would put Bobby McCain in there, but we'll hear from him in just one second. Cornell Armstrong, Jamal Wiltz, the practice squad member of the Patriots last season. Another undrafted free agent, the fifth I have on my opening day roster, and Nick Needham. And Walt Akins is there, of course, for special team support. At safety, I've got three, although you could argue Fitzpatrick goes back here as well. We'll see exactly how you want to differentiate these guys at the defensive secondary position. Rashad Jones, Bobby McCain, and TJ McDonald. And my specialists are John Denny, Jason Sanders, and Stone Wilson. Now, my practice squad, we have 11 guys, again, because of Durval Neto. And the quarterback is Jake Rudock. I kept tight end Chris Meyerick. He's from Temple, kind of fits that inline blocking mold the Dolphins have at the position. Wide receiver from Stanford, Trenton Irwin, another UDFA. The Dolphins' sixth-round draft pick, Isaiah Prince, the offensive tackle from Ohio State. He's on the practice squad. Safety, Marie Smith. Defensive lineman, Jamius Pittman. Durval Neto of course on that list linebackers Trey Watson Sam Egwavion and linebacker Quentin Poling all on the practice squad and the Northwestern cornerback Montre Hardage the 11 guys on the practice squad those are my predictions check out LockedOnDolphins.com to see it in its entirety as far as a list goes tell me your disagreements on Twitter although I'm sure everybody agrees with exactly those 64 guys I just listed and with that speaking of agreeing let's go game by game here and predict the Dolphins schedule 
And I might come back and do this again after the preseason, but the 2019 season just isn't the same as we're used to in terms of playoff expectations, or at least hopes, I suppose. So maybe this is kind of a futile exercise, but let's quit beating around the bush and get right to it. I have the Dolphins winning in week one. I think that home opener at in September at Hard Rock Stadium with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who, if Brian Flores is the defensive mind we hope he is, could possibly shut him down and find a way to run the ball enough to score some points and beat the Ravens 19-13 opening day. Week two, the Patriots come to town. We'll say it stays close for a little bit, but eventually the Patriots' talent outmatches the Dolphins, and they win the revenge game from last year's Miami Miracle. Dolphins fall to 1-1 one and one with a loss to the Patriots. Week three at the Cowboys, I don't think Miami stands much of a chance in this game. The Cowboys' strengths can attack the Dolphins' weaknesses. The Cowboys win going away. Dolphins fall to 1-2. and two. The Chargers, a very, very good team, one of my Super Bowl potential picks that I will get to later in the preseason. I have the Chargers coming to Miami and winning convincingly, so the Dolphins fall to 1-3 and three heading into the bye. And then they turn to Josh Rosen for Week 6 against Washington, and they comprehensively beat Washington in this game because, number one, Dwayne Haskins is a rookie, and I think that Brian Flores should be able to puzzle rookie quarterbacks. And number two, they get a little bit of a boost from bringing Josh Rosen off the bench and win that game by a couple of touchdowns to get back to 2-3. and three. And then Miami goes to Buffalo. And besides that 2016 game, Buffalo is a house of horrors for Miami. I'm not going to predict us to win this one. The Dolphins fall to 2-4. and four. I really thought about calling the upset of the year for Miami in the Monday night game against Pittsburgh. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Pittsburgh's coaching staff is just not getting the job done in recent years. They have so much talent every year and fall short of that talent every year. But I do have Miami competing and eventually losing this game as they have to kind of learn how to win football games under this new coaching staff. They lose that game and fall to 2-5. and five. Against the Jets, I got Miami winning the home game against the Jets and Adam Gase's return to get to 3-5. and five. Week number 10 against the Colts. The Dolphins just don't have the talent to match this AFC powerhouse and Andrew Luck. The Colts win this one in a romp. Dolphins fall to 3-6. and six. Week 11 against the Bills. This one's close again, but the Bills just hit enough big plays with Josh Allen and all that speed to win the game late. The Dolphins fall to 3-7 and seven to Buffalo. Week 12 at Cleveland. The losing streak continues. Cleveland takes that one. Miami falls to 3-8. and eight. The losing streak continues in week 13 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Dolphins fall to 3-9. and nine, And then again to the Jets on the road. Adam Gaze gets his revenge in this one. And Miami loses by a touchdown to fall to 3-10. and 10. And then a pair of back-to-back wins against the Giants and the Bengals gets Miami to 5-10. and 10, Where they eventually lose the season finale up in Foxborough at the Patriots to finish the season 5-11. and 11, And I have this putting them right around 5th or 6th in next year's draft with a couple of teams ahead of them that might have their, their solutions at quarterback. So the Dolphins will trade up into the top three and go get Jordan Love or Justin Herbert. I hope it's not Herbert, but they trade up and go get their guy in the top of the draft next year after a 5-11 and 11 finish and wind up picking around 5th or 6th in the 2020 NFL Draft. So that's it. That's all. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have a mailbag show for you guys. First thing at the regularly scheduled time of the podcast. So don't forget to check that out for all your questions ahead of training camp. And then on Thursday evening, tomorrow night, I'm going to have a podcast and column recapping day one of practice here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast and LockedOnDolphins.com webpage. 
That should be up and ready to roll by the time you guys drive home on Thursday evening. Then we'll do it all over again on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're off on Monday and back at it again on Tuesday through Saturday, including a report from the Dolphins scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium, and I'll be down on the field for that. So plenty of great content coming your guys' way. I might do live videos on Twitter. Tons and tons of stuff happening for Locked On Dolphins the next couple of weeks. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL, your go-to training camp handle for Miami Dolphins 2019 training camp. The show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins content blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow for training camp for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Timed that one well.